At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. Also bad, but the one that lies just in front of my house is terrible. Yeah. Well, yes, all they keep doing is to pour sand on the road, it rains, it washes away, and mm-hmm. like the residents are tired. Yeah. Just yesterday, they have to block the road at I see, because yeah. they want to action. And they were calling me to provide. <laughs> you should have. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm having lots of body pains ever since I returned. Yeah. And my road is, is also a factor. Yeah. One road that was on the on the list of things to be done with the Sinohydro was the Adenta Dodoa Road, right? I mean, that for me is the thing, the road that must be done. Because that road is turning to um, what, what Kasua used to be. It's it's getting loaded, but you use that stretch too, yeah, um, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, no. It's it's crazy on that particular stretch, also. I mean, of course, of course, roads <laughs> will always remain an issue. Um, is Balabas going somewhere next? Yes, um, in two weeks' time, we're moving. I'll share that with you later. Okay, sure. That's it for Ghana Connect tonight. Enjoy the rest of the evening. World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. Ghana Premier League clubs have 29 hours to close business ahead of the commencement of the new Ghana Premier League season. The transfer window shuts on Saturday and at Joy Sports, we keep watch. Rwanda the Kofi dealt very well in. Asalama has made a mistake and that is the goal for Kumasi Asante got the goal. Easy pass by a Kofi and a goalkeeping howler. Absolutely unbelievable. This could be dangerous. Dangerous Ametuya! on the way now of a car Hartsevo taking shot taking over again by Radio Voja Voja with the ball then he hits a lovely cross above everybody ball clears the post Joseph so gets the goal and the phobia birds are flying free they've got the equalizer it's 1-1 here at the Crossword Stadium Analysis of who moves where on a special countdown show on the Joy News channel between 7.30pm and 9pm tomorrow before that the first of our GPO primers is later on tonight, and we have a preview. There's simply no time to rest for clubs with huge ambitions this season, as the game's coming thick and fast. Straight from the busy ripping shuttles in midweek, the English Premier League lights up the weekend with another blockbuster. And Sabios for Saka. Gets away from Rodrigo, still Bakayo Saka. That stung the hands of Edison. And scores! Marcus Rashford makes it 2-0. Oh, great goal. 
Marcus Rashford is at it again from out of nowhere. The substitute has made absolutely sure. And Rashford with the chance for the hat-trick. And he's taken it. Marcus Rashford at the treble for United. Jacker did find Lacazette. And here goes Maitland-Niles. Lacazette is sprinting up into the box. Maitland-Niles saw instead William. It came off Robertson. And it's scrambled in by Lacazette. And Arsenal snatched the lead at Anfield. Palpably against the run of play. Manchester United versus Arsenal hopefully lifts up to the billing of a proper headliner. Mikel Arteta would hope to rally Thomas Partey and his mates to force a win out of Oligana Socia's informed Red Devils. We have a preview, including special analysis ahead of Burnley, Chelsea, West Ham, Liverpool, Manchester City, Sheffield, and we're in Spain, Italy, France, and Germany to gauge games to come. Also coming up, Michael Schumacher is still one ahead in terms of world championship titles, but he is no longer the record holder of Formula One Grand Prix wins. That now belongs to Lewis Hamilton, who puts another claim on becoming the greatest Formula One driver of all time. Another returning venue hosts the next round of the 2020 Formula One season with Imola rejoining the calendar. Mercedes could wrap up the Constructors' title this weekend, but Lewis Hamilton will have to wait to confirm a seventh title. 14 years after the last visit to the Emilia-Romagna region, years of hard work to get an F1 race back on the fabled venue has finally paid off. And we have analysis. If you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to read them via social media accounts on WhatsApp 0551-111-997, on Facebook, Joyce slash 997, and tweeted us at JoyceSportsGH. We'll be in Egypt to preview the remaining CAF Champions League semi-final between Zamalek and Raja Casablanca and in San Antonio to preview the bout between Geraldton Davis and Santa Cruz. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sports. Hello from me, George Adder Jr. and welcome. Great, good evening to you. Remember, you can send us your messages on the WhatsApp line 0551 It's a special evening as we look forward to all this in the world of sport. I must tell you, we're uh, just in about three hours. We're coming away with the first of our GPL primers is the Ghana Premier League Primer Hearts of Oak Edition to be hosted by my colleague Hans Mensa Ando. And already you have seen the pictures, you've seen the posters, you've seen uh, the promos. It's a phobia night, simply put. We're not too sure how many uh, Phobian players got into the Black Stars call-up or the Black Stars selection for the AFCON qualifiers. Remember that the Black Stars have that important game against Sudan in Cape Coast on the 12th of November. And I think in five, five days later, three days later, five days later actually, they go back uh, to the North African side to play against Sudan in Hatoum. So coach Sikia Kona had to come out with his 23-month squad and it was pretty after it. We had to go close to that Ghana Football Association uh, news and it was right there. Let's have another good refresher of what Sikiakon has put together in terms of a Black Stars lineup. Okay, here are the list of players for the next month AFCON qualifier against Sudan. For the goalkeepers, we have Richard Ofori, Orlando Pirates, Razaga Balora, Asante Kotoko, Lawrence Atizigi, St. Gallen, the fullbacks, Baba Rahman, FC Chelsea, Gideon Mensa, Guamerez. Harrison Afu, Columbus Crew FC, Annan Benson, Zelina FC. For the center bars, we have um, Jiku Alexander, Strasbourg, John Boy, FC Mets, Nicolas Opoku, Amiens, um, Joseph Edu, Celta Vigo. With the midfield, we have uh, Thomas Pate, FC Arsenal, Baba Idrisu, Mallorca, Mubarak Wakaso, Yansu Soning FC. Emmanuel Lumoti, Amiens. Wingers, Samuel Owusu, El Al Ali, Saudi Arabia. Tariq Fosu, Brentford. Andre Ayu, Swansea FC. Jeffrey Schlopp, Crystal Palace. And for the attackers, we have Jordan Ayu, Crystal Palace. Caleb Ekuban, Traps, Sonsport. John Entry, Pyramids FC. And Jamie Leveling, Crotterfield.
I've seen your comments on our Facebook pages across our social media accounts and you have been talking and commenting really hard. Some of you don't agree with um, some players being called up and others been left out. We'll be having a little bit of analysis on that. Hans Mensando joining me in studio as well as uh, Riku Ampofo. But let's start with this because one of the... I think the one player that's been spoken about the most, Hans, if I'm right, is uh, Baba Rahman. Yeah, I mean, Quite lots of questions ago, yeah. about Baba Rahman's Yes, inclusion. yes, a lot of questions, yeah, I think. But, yeah. You know, but I, mean, I, I think that, and I've always been of that view, that mm. when it comes to the national team, sometimes it's all about club form, a, you know, a special dispensation for certain players. Mm. You know? Does it fall into the category for you then? Yes, I think so. Okay. Um, but to just, just hold that, on there. Let's yeah. hear from CK Akono on why he called Baba Rahman and they'll come in to do the analysis. Uh, Obama was uh, once a regular player here uh, due to injury he was uh, taken out now he's back he's, he's fit he's playing very well uh, with his, his, his team unfortunately he's not had a chance to play in the in the uh, first team but he's had a couple of friendly matches since uh, August August September and even lastly October this recently 24th October which he played against uh, Liverpool second team and these matches he, he's played 90 minutes somewhere 90 minutes a lot of 90 minutes and of course 70 minutes so we've taken a lot of consideration looking at our, uh, the fact that we have uh, a little bit of weakness within that area the fullbacks i thought it's necessary to bring him to of course uh, uh, compete with with gideon, gideon on, on, on that side coach ikekon is looking to solve his uh, fullback issues there and he feels that baba roman is just the right man to come in and do the job rico joins me as well rico how are you doing if you have a good look at it as well? Yeah, Josh. Yeah, Rick uh, is part of the online, the online team. is busy as well to get put out there. Interesting squad. So, um, let me start with you, Hans. Now, yeah. g- give it a go. You want to start with Bavara Mabi? Yeah, I mean, CK mentions that, you know, he's bringing him to offer competition to Gideon Mensah, Luma Gbenyen, who also um, injured. Clearly, we've got problems to solve at left back. That is without doubt. Um, but I think that in terms of the minimum criteria that we expect of a Black Stars, player, you know, to be called up. Baba Oman probably may not make it because uh, you want to see him play, playing regularly for the first team of his club, and that is Chelsea. We must also realize that um, in as much as we are, we are not trying to lower the standards for anybody, hmm. even the, the reserve team league in England is quite strong. Oh, yeah. You know, you can't write it off like that. Yeah. So, yes, he's been active. He's played about 90 minutes, 90 minutes in some games, 70 minutes. Um, he's been active. Again, back to the point that I was making. For players like Babaraman, and I'm talking players whose turning fortunes hmm. came while serving the nation. Okay? okay. I think that sometimes we need to make a special case for them. Hmm. He got injured at the 2017 Afcon, Babaraman playing for the Black Stars. And that is where his problems really began. Began. Never the same, yes. Exactly. He was never the same again. And so, yes, yeah, sometimes... You have to offer him that platform for him to be able to, you know, sort of make a case for himself at the very least. And then um, also, um, if you like, market himself to potential suitors because a lot of clubs will want to look at how active you are, again, for your national team as well. Mm. One game could alert a lot of clubs that, look, this guy is good enough, let's probably hand him a deal. And so, let's make a special case for him. For, for Baba Ram, just stick Baba on Baba Ram. Just stick on that one. I think let's, let's not be too let, critical of the player oh, and, and, and the coach for calling him out. I think you're giving some good background yeah. to that. But Rick, the point is, is this the right time to do this for Baba Raman? I don't, I don't think so. There's never a right time for the national team. You know, if you wanted to call Baba Raman, you had a couple of friendly games where I, I would say you had a bit of uh, slack to be able to you know, give the chance to players who you wanted to child for the serious business. Now, mm. this time it's serious business against Sudan. It's a double header. The Black Stars already have six points and two wins just secures qualification into the tournament uh, in 2022. So, this is not the time for trials. You know, I mean, Hans makes a very sentimental point that yes, he did get injured to the Black Stars and all that. But look, if you're lowering the bar for one player. Does that mean that you would do the same for another player? You look at Babaraman and the numbers are just not good enough. Uh, since the start of last season, he's played just four games amounting to less than 200 minutes. And no way should that put you into any national team at all. Uh, I just thought this was a good opportunity for CK Akono to show that he scouts and he's looking at different options. And, you know, to bring a younger player in, if you did really have a crisis there... 
I don't think Babaraman coming in, you know, he's not really had good enough and consistent game time to be back at his best. Mm. And he's playing in the Premier League too because he's slowly trying to get back his rhythm. Now, this is a player who is playing at a, that level because he hasn't been brought back to his best day. So, if he jumps to a very intense game against Sudan, it could actually be detrimental to, you know, his recovery. Mm. And so, I do not think he's going to put in, what, his 100% because the injury has scared him and he would probably be more careful. But you want players who are going to put in 100% because you're playing for the national team. So, it's a, it's a difficult situation and... I just don't believe I can't wait. No, but when you said that he's trying to put his um, his fullbacks right, yeah, but he thinks an option is the justification just doesn't cut it for me yeah, because you say he's playing well. Mm-hmm. I don't think he is he is playing that well. If he was playing well enough, Lampard should be considering for that left back spot right, okay. when he wasn't trusting Alonso and uh, you, you know Emerson. That's just the fact. Mm-hmm. He was good. He's trying to be good again. So. He's not been consistent for me. He hasn't had enough game time, and nothing justifies, you know, coming to the uh, national has, team. Has, what's the other point there again? Yeah, yeah, quick, I mean, yes. what what really are the options at left back for the Black Stars? Um, from what I understand, Jeffrey Schlob is not coming to play at left back because mm-hmm. the player had expressed a desire to play Up in front. a more attacking position. So playing at left back is a no-no for Jeffrey mm. Schlob. Um, if you look at Gideon Mensah, if you look at Lumak Benyenu, who is also out, you begin to wonder then, we don't have local players being active, and so it rules out all the local players who would have played in that position. Mm. So, what really would have been the options? Who and who and who could we have been looking at? That that really becomes a question. Okay, uh, it's going to be a deeper discussion anyway on the sports review, but aside from Baba Rahman, are there any other problems for you guys? Let's see, Eric Wampofo, are you comfortable with the rest? Um, hmm, you know, it's, Sorry, it's an interesting one. Are you going to write you are going to write Atigi? 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 show that you deserve to be, to there, be there or you are capable of challenging the person in the post mm. for that slot. Mm. But it appears he's comfortable with being called and being the third choice. Yeah. Which for me is not good enough. Look, CK called up Richard Atova Kraha to yes. just before the COVID. Yeah. In the friendly games, he didn't call him up. The boy has begun training. Never mind that he hasn't started playing competitive matches. Yeah. As far if you're going to call him for him to be a third goalkeeper and he was not going to be in the post. Between calling up Richard Atta Okay. And calling Atizigi. And calling Atizigi. I'd rather call Richard Atta to come and sit and on the bench. Well, that's another point. What, what you make of that? What, what you, which other problems do you have? Very quickly. Why, why is Lomote in the team? Uh, you big question for you. Uh, Hans, do you have any idea why? <laughs> he was, he I, was I one of our really. poorest players in the friendly games. He doesn't deserve another chance? He doesn't. So? At least you know, I do agree with CK Akono that Tariq Fosu, Alexander Jiku, and... Uh, ben Sinanan. Yeah, Ben Sinanan did play very well in the friendlies. But Lomote didn't even play well enough to start in that Qatar game. And clearly, Idris Baba and Partey, that combination worked well for Ghana. So, mm. on what basis was he picked again? Mm. Because I don't think he's done anything extraordinary between then and now in Liga to be called back in the midfield. And, uh, you know, also, interestingly, for CK Akona, I thought it was a chance for him to fade away from some of the Kosiapia players. Unfortunately, we are seeing the likes of Wakaso and all of them come it, back it, to the Which I don't have a problem with. It's a team building, actually. It's a team you're building. I don't have a problem with. But you see, you have to be bold, like someone like Southgate mm. or uh, Joachim Lowe, who said that, look, I've gone past these old guys. Yeah. I'm building my own young team. Mm. We saw a bit of that with CK, mm. and now he's mixing the old guys, saying it's a short-term fix. I do not really know whether the team has a direction or not, but I love what they're doing, you know, working hand in hand with a technical director, and so far they've spotted uh, Jamie Levelin, and uh, he's coming in from the Bundesliga too. I think there's clearly a strategy to prevent him from playing from Germany. He's yeah. He's been linked with quite a number of clubs in Germany because of how good he's been promoted uh, to uh, Grote Forth's, uh, you know, first team after impressing with their youth team as well. So, I think once he plays for Sudan... Oh, on that point you made about him being that good. Yeah, the thing about what I've learned with... <laughs> He's all started seeing the YouTube videos. Yes, the, 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 what I've learned about it, the players we lose to the European teams is this. If we are that good, we never get them. Anyway, that's the point. <laughs> if we are that good, we never ever that, get that's, them. That's, Look, that's the point. We can start doing um, the comparison. Yeah, yeah. I know. We never get I know, them. I know, I know. When we are that good. I know. So, so, guys, I think you made, you made your points. We're going to, we're going to develop this uh, yeah. better. Um, on the sports review tomorrow in the morning. Hans, you are getting yourself ready. It's about uh, some three hours. The to 
primer. Um, the primer was yeah, 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 just about some just in some um, thirty seconds. Yes, you have about three hours. About three hours. In thirty seconds, just tell us what we expect tonight uh, from what you have seen in the in the in the engine room. Yeah, so expect. <laughs> Rainbow uh, is what has ah, stand, rainbow, for, yeah, uh, stand okay. for. Like Chapter o will be in the building. Right. Uh, we have our next player of a class of focus Joining. in the building. Right. You might want to yes. um, watch that to see what player we'll be talking about. That's right. But essentially, 11 years without a trophy for Hearts of Focus is not something that is really good. So right. we are going to find out essentially how they intend to win the 2020 2021 Ghana Precisely. We'll be looking forward to that. Thank you very much. Hans would not leave the studio at the moment. Rick Wampofo can say bye-bye for now. Uh, I've got to put Hans back on the boxing beat. Very, 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 very important for us. Still here on the locker room. Do not go anywhere. When Tank was very, very young, I told him someday he will be fighting on paper. You. Here. The ultimate goal is to make this kid a household name and to make him a pay-per-view star. He world champion. He has world champion in boxing. I'm there. Let me introduce him. Three-time world champion. Gervonta Davis. Lose against Leo Santa Cruz. And in 2020, I won the big fight. I won Gervonta Davis. And I'm going to show the world that I'm not scared of nobody. Every time I go into a fight, I'm thinking about my dad is the head of the family. Okay, bye-bye. Santa Cruz had to overcome so much personal turmoil and yet continued to fight with the heart of a champion. Boxer next and rising star Javonta Davis will get one of the toughest tests of his career on Saturday when he takes on Leo Santa Cruz and a pay-per-view bout in San Antonio tomorrow. Uh, Davis is an undefeated Southpaw who has won all but one of his 23 fights by stoppage and is looking to establish himself as a bankable fighter who can dismantle top-level competition. Santa Cruz is a four-division world champion known for his stamina, chain and willingness and willingness to throw punches from the first round to the last. He's an underdog in this bout but should force Davis to work hard if he can avoid an early knockout. The weight limit for the fight is 130 pounds. It's been promoted as a clash for the WBA lightweight and WBA super featherweight world titles. So, let's get some analysis right now ahead of the showdown in San Antonio. And my colleague Hans Mensa under joins me. Thank you very much, Hans, for your time. Let's start with Santa Cruz's challenger. 25-year-old Southpaw, is he a threat at all? George, undoubtedly, Javonta Davis is a massive threat to Leo Santa Cruz. You cannot doubt his capabilities. He hasn't come up against the sort of adversity that he's going to find in Leo Santa Cruz. But in his young career, he's done more than enough to show that he can mix it up with the very best in the world. This is his first pay-per-view event. He will be motivated. He's got a skill. He's got a desire. He's got the ambition. Now, when Floyd Mayweather touts you as the future of the sport... It has to count for something. You are not looking at an average boxer. He's a cracking boxer. So, yes, Santa Cruz would have his work cut out. Javonta Davis is a credible opponent. So, is the feat of defeating the four-division champion achievable? Has Santa Cruz shown exploitable weaknesses lately, Hans? I mean, again, it's very, very achievable. You have to look at his skill set. He's a very sure boxer. He moves very, very well. His defense is very, very good in the way he covers, in the way he's able to get out of tight situations. He can make you miss, he can cover up, and if you do miss, he's going to make you pay. His skill set suggests that he, he should be able to beat Leo Santa Cruz. Well, it's one thing to say he should be able to do it, another thing, actually beating Leo Santa Cruz. Only one person has beaten Leo Santa Cruz, Carl Frompton. And Santa Cruz went back in the rematch and avenged that defeat. Look, in Leo Santa Cruz, You've got a man who will come to war. He prides himself on being a Mexican warrior. You've got a boxer who doesn't retreat. All he knows is to step forward. Santa Cruz never backs down. Constantly fights on the front foot. He punches in volumes. His punch starts absolutely insane. It's unreal. I tell you what, if Navarrete is, is a Pentium 2, Leo Santa Cruz is an Apomac. In terms of the, the sheer amount of punches that he's going to throw, the man throws as if his very life depends on it. It's as if he stopped punching 
he's going to stop breathing. That is the sort of boxer that Leo Santa Cruz is. That is the sort of challenge that Javonta Davis is coming up against. Thing about Santa Cruz is this. He breaks you down mentally. You, He's going to make you give up because he's unrelenting. He's not going to stop. Whether he's taking punches or he's delivering them, he is constantly coming forward. Javonta may have to pick his moment. He's going to have to be very, very smart, be quick on his feet to be able to evade the punches that are going to come his way and make Leo pay. It's not going to be an easy fight for Javonta Davis. Santa Cruz has, you know, quite a number of weaknesses. His defense is not really the best. He's not a sort of boxer who thrives on his defensive ability. His style is to outwork, outmuscle, outpunch, and outland his opponent. You cannot outpunch Leo Santa Cruz. You won't throw more than he's going to throw. Santa Cruz is going to take Javonte into deep waters. Will he be able to swim to safety? That is the question. In terms of weakness, yes. The fact that Leo doesn't have a defense is a weakness in Leo's repertoire that Javonte could exploit. So here's the thing. I'm thinking that if Javonte Davis is going to win this fight, it's going to be very, very difficult for him to do it on the scorecards. He has to get a knockout, maybe several knockdowns, you know, if the fight is going to travel the full distance. If he's not getting that and the fight travels to the 12 rounds, what will happen is that you have Leo Santa Cruz outworking Javonte Davis and possibly, most likely, outlanding him. The best route, the easiest route for Javento Davis to win this fight is by knockout. On the scorecards, I favor Leo Santa Cruz. George, 1 a.m. in the early hours of Sunday morning. You have got to be behind your screens if you want to catch this one. 1 a.m. early hours Sunday morning. Thank you very much, Hans, for your time on the show. We look forward to the action later and we look forward to uh, the first of our GPO primers. Hans Mensa Ando will be hosting that one, the Hass edition, later tonight from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. on the Joy News Channel. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Michael Schumacher is still one ahead in terms of world championship titles, but he is no longer the record holder of Formula One Grand Prix wins. That now belongs to Lewis Hamilton, who puts another claim on becoming the greatest Formula One driver of all time. Formula One next, and the Italian government has banned spectators from attending this weekend's Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix at the historic Imola track. Now, Imola had hoped to allow 13,000 spectators into the track on Saturday and Sunday, but the rise of coronavirus cases across Italy has forced the U10. The government has banned crowds at events among a raft of other measures to slow the spread of the virus. Imola is returning to the F1 calendar for the first time since 2006. It held 27 consecutive races from 1980, first as a one-off stand in Monza, as the host of the Italian Grand Prix, and then from 1981, as a second race in the country with the title San Marino Grand Prix. The second has won a place this year as a result of the major changes to the schedule caused by the pandemic, which has forced everyone to hold the largely European calendar. So let's get a bit of perspective right now ahead of the race this weekend. And joining me, our in-house Formula 1 expert, Raymond Nyamada. Thanks, Raymond, for your time. Uh, so the race will be held over a compressed two-day schedule over the weekend with just one practice session tomorrow morning before qualifying in the afternoon. How do you expect the drivers to fare here? Um, you look at the situation at hand. Teams uh, face a race against time to get all their cargo in from one track to another. And 2,500 kilometers separates Portimao and Mola. So team tracks would have to drive straight through, only stopping to refuel. And so it's a bit of a challenge for a lot of teams. And so P1, practice one, practice two, certainly have to be sacrificed just to make sure that um, some of these things are sorted out ahead of the race. Without P1, P2, there's going to be a challenge. A lot of drivers who struggle on the circuit. And the last time we saw a race on the circuit was as far back as in 2006. And so you look at the drivers on the grid, a lot of them, in fact, I'm not sure any of them has had experience of, you know, racing on this particular circuit. So it poses a bit of a challenge. And so the mistakes that they would have made in practice one or practice two, they will now have to do in the real race. And that definitely would make the race a bit uncertain. And so um, you cannot discount the lack of practice one, practice two. You cannot say it won't have an impact on the race. It definitely will have an impact on the race. And a lot of drivers would have to go into the race itself depending on their experience over the last years on the on, on circuits. And so it's a bit of a challenge. And I dare say that this um, could have an effect on the final positions when it comes to who wins the race, who doesn't win it, who doesn't finish it. I think it will have a big, big, big impact on that. And it's a big blow not having P1, P2. Ray Charles Leclerc last weekend in Portugal showing the upgrades from Maranello 
have improved the SF1000, even if Sebastian Vettel still struggles to reach his teammates' benchmark. Should we expect more from Ferrari this weekend? A very strange race we saw in Portimao. We saw two drivers, you know, show contrasting, you know, performances in that particular one. And for Ferrari and the SF1000 Challenger, it's been a very, very difficult season for them. And we saw Vettel start, you know, in Portimao qualifying from 14th and finishing 10th. And we saw Charlie Leclerc also qualifying 4th and finishing 4th. I think that was one of his better performances this season. And it's interesting, you know, how Ferrari this season have managed just two podium finishes compared to last season where both drivers, you know, put up a combined 19 podium finishes. Clearly, it tells you Ferrari struggles this season. But you look at Ferrari and they've been, you know, carrying out a few updates. They've done that in three phases. Um, the last one we saw was implemented in Portugal and that actually accounted for uh, the performance of um, Charles Leclerc. And despite the fact that Vettel did not impress, a lot of questions have been asked. If both drivers are using the same chassis, uh, Binotto has been quick to actually you know, dispel those claims. Uh, he claims that both cars are at the same level and so it means that Vettel has to back up. And so going into a weekend where Charles Leclerc you know, has you know, gotten the monkey off his back, you would expect them to go into this race and perform and you would expect Sebastian Vettel to actually you know also put in a better performance this time around so I think that you look at both Ferrari drivers uh, and you look at the updates that have been carried out I think Binotto has been clear to say that it will be realistic to start challenging for genuine podium finishes next season and so um they will just kick on from Portugal and hope that they have better performances in this race I'm expecting them to actually do well in this particular race because you look at this particular circuit and you know Imola has been a happy hunting ground for Ferrari because you look at the late 90s and 2006 Michael Schumacher won as many as seven races there for Ferrari and so you know on the back of that I think that's a happy hunting ground for Ferrari and so they should go into this race and try and stick a claim but um, you look at their form and I don't think that there's a lot of confidence in this Ferrari team but you know on the account of what we saw in Portugal Ferrari could go into this race and you know come up with something spectacular so then, Lewis Hamilton is the most sought-after man in Formula 1 at the moment, we know, after breaking the record there of Michael Schumacher for Grand Prix wins. Valtteri Bottas and Max Verstappen are hoping to make a case in Italy. Who's got this for you and what are your predictions for podium? Missing two practice sessions definitely will have a toll on this race. Um, I think that drivers not having the ability to you know, test the strength of their chances on the circuit uh, will be a bit of a problem. And I think that that could determine where this race could go. I think that there's going to be a lot of pressure on the drivers. A lot of drivers will rely on their experience. And so it's going to be one of those strange races. Very, very strange. And just like we saw in Monza where Pierre Gasly, Carlos Sainz, Lance Stroll managed podium finishes, I think that it's going to be a race that will be too, you know, far from that. And again, it's happening in Italy. Italy has given us surprises this season. Even in Mugello, I think we saw uh, Albon also finish third in that particular race behind Hamilton and Bottas. And so, Italy has given us a lot of drama. It served us a lot of suspense, a lot of surprises. And uh, for me, I just think that it's going to be one of those weekends where, um, the underdogs might just come up tops and you look at Lewis Hamilton after winning 92 I think that that hasn't really sunk well I think that you know he may just be on a different level at the moment uh, I think that he, um, he's still you know reveling in that glory and so he may not come out you know all guns blazing he may not be at full throttle this weekend but Lewis Hamilton is a fighter he's a competitor and if he decides to be at full throttle it's very difficult to beat definitely goes into this race as the favourite to win it I think that this is just one of those weekends where, you know, the, the script writers could just serve us a different taste of what Formula 1 is about. Uh, I think that we could just see, you know, the next generation of Formula 1 stars actually, you know, causing a surprise in this one. Always a pleasure to have you, Raymond Yamado, on the show. Uh, we look forward to uh, the action to come in Italy. What what, what, uh, what uh, uh, a season we're having in Formula 1. Yes, of course, it's now time to get onto the tracks. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. He always has time. Bowling got a solid start, but not a spectacular one, but he's into his running now. Gavin's trying to go with him, but it's going to be Coleman's night here in the night sky of Doha. He's in a class of his own. And at last, at last... Christian Coleman has the title missing from his CV. He's done it. Athletics next and World 100 Meters champion.
Christian Coleman, we know, has been banned for two years after missing the three drug tests. A 24-year-old American who was suspended from 14th May 2020 will miss the postponed Tokyo Olympics next year. Coleman won the 100 meters gold at the World Championships in Doha. I covered that really much last year. Representative Emmanuel Hudson confirmed the indoor 60 meters world record holder will appeal against Athletics Integrity Unit's ruling to the Court of Arbitration for Sports. But joining me now with some analysis is the BBC's athletics commentator, Ed Harry. Thanks, Ed, for your time. So, give us some background to this story for those who are coming to it for the first time. Well, and it's all because he wasn't where he said he would be on three separate occasions in a 12-month period. Coleman has never disputed missing tests in January and April of last year. This whole case was really about December the 9th, 2019. Back in June, soon after his provisional suspension became public, Coleman shared the doping control officer's report on his social media. They said they'd knocked loudly multiple times throughout the designation in one hour period. They pressed the doorbell but couldn't hear whether it actually rang. That report though said Coleman had the wrong address on it. Now take that in isolation. It raises a pretty serious question mark as to whether it should ever have stood as a missed test. But then in that same social media post in June we had this from Coleman. I was Christmas shopping five minutes away at the mall, he said. If I had received a phone call, I could have taken the drug test and carried on with my night. Coleman said he always got a call except on that occasion. But such calls are discretionary and not mandatory. And said the independent sport resolution panel in this ruling, they are to back up the knock at the door or the pressing of the bell. They are not to invite an athlete to come for testing. Coleman's criticism of the doping control officer was without foundation, the panel said. And the panel also concluded he was not at home at all in that spec, 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 in that spec. Right, so yes, uh, just a hiccup right there. The BBC's Ed Harry taking us through that all-important one with Christian Coleman, the world 100 meters champion who's just got into trouble right there. Well, it's a good time now to begin to switch and do some football now. Quite important. Uh, there's been a lot of news about Barcelona this week and we're getting to it with a Spanish football expert, Eduardo Alvaro. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Absolutely wide open, can Barcelona respond? Jordi Alba cuts it in and it's an equaliser. And so Fatty, that's the way to respond. The Classico gets off to an electrifying start. Eight minutes on the clock, a smile on Ronald Koeman's face. A little bit of concern there as well, I think. Barcelona right back into Madrid, back in the lead and he does it. Ramos the man, Neto went the right way but couldn't get there. It's superbly taken, he didn't blast it this time. And it's Barcelona 1, Real Madrid 2. Neto, it's fallen to Rodrigo, now Modric... Neto out of place and Modric with the finish. The Classico goes back to Madrid. Three points for Zinedine Zidane's champions. Barcelona in tatters at the end. And it's Luka Modric with brilliant footballing intelligence. Lionel Messi looks set to leave Barcelona this summer after falling out with the club's hierarchy. But now President Josep Maria Bartomeu and the rest of the board have resigned. What does it mean for the future of Messi? Remember, Messi demanded to leave Barcelona over the summer, criticizing the board publicly in the process after his relationship with the club president had soared. Uh, although Barcelona managed to keep Messi in the part due to the 700 million euro release clause, their chances of retaining the Argentine beyond the season appeared remote with his contract set to expire. But has the situation now changed? Let's bring in the Spanish football expert Eduardo Alvaro. Thank you very much, Eduardo, for your time. Good evening. Hi. Well, uh, Eduardo, how seriously is this news being taken back in Spain? <laughs> the resignation has been taken seriously. The Super League has been taken like a joke. And immediately the president of the Spanish uh, club league uh, has said that he was extremely unfortunate that the day that Bartomeu was leaving, he took the liberty to speak about uh, a subject that uh, demands a lot more seriousness and a lot of more reflection. So no, I don't think this is uh, uh, an idea that has been floated a number of times in the last few years, but I don't think this announcement made by Bartomeu at this point is going to push this so-called Super League farther now. So why do you think Bartomeu included the bit of agreeing to the European Super League idea in his resignation statement? 
I only think that he's trying to deflect attention about what's happened and uh, he tried not to go through the uh, question of confidence to the, uh, through the vote of no confidence um, using the uh, the coronavirus as an excuse and he asked the regional government not to authorize the vote and once that he saw that he couldn't get uh, away with that uh, he's just announced his resignation with uh, a number of it was not only the Super League announcement but he's also said a number of things about his tenure with Barcelona that were not relevant at the moment where you're resigning right? you just say I'm sorry, I need to go, and and this is the the best for everyone involved, and and he's trying to deflect attention about the reasons why this vote of no confidence actually uh, came through, and uh, uh, it's it's just the last uh, mistake in uh, in a couple of years that have been really extremely unfortunate from from Bartomeu. Is Bartomeu essentially trying to say this is where the club is financially? I have a great rescue plan. If you vote for me, we can solve it. If you don't, that's your fault. I don't think that that's going to save him anyway because he's responsible for the for all the accounts and the result of the of this year and the the, the financial result is going to be terrible. So there's no super league that's going to uh, uh, he needs to respond with his own uh, um, with his own uh, money uh, about what happens with the accounts this year. Uh, if the Super League comes through, it's going to be in two or three seasons. So again, uh, he's in trouble. He's in very deep trouble. And uh, I, I just think he's trying to deflect attention and try to look good uh, to the eyes of the Barcelona socios, but hey, it's too little and it's too late. Well, Alvaro, for Javi Tebas to come and quote or indeed confirm his ignorance, I'm talking about Batamio, about football, is certainly a damning statement on what was meant to be a sad day for the president. Yes, I mean, uh, Tebas took this as a provocation because uh, to Tebas, a Super League is kind of all the opposite that he wants to see. Uh, he would break his toy, which is the La Liga, right? And... Uh, that's why the last thing he wanted to hear about on, on Bartomeu's last day was that uh, there's a Super League going on. And actually, Bartomeu and Tebas were really close. And Tebas probably is probably uh, not very happy with the fact that Bartomeu is going. But he didn't really like the mention to the Superliga at all. Well, Eduardo, has the situation this year tarnished the work so far of Bartomeu at this club? Because we know, after all, he has ever seen a glorious time in charge of the club. Uh, he started with three titles. I mean, he won the treble in his first season. The thing is, that wasn't obviously that wasn't his team. He hadn't had any t- at any time. He, he started in June, so he pretty much arrived to collect the trophies. Um, and from now, from that that point on, uh, his develop his performance has not been good in terms of signing. Uh, he's had three different sports directors uh, and uh, he spent, as, as we know, uh, amazing, uh, an amazing amount of money trying to keep Messi happy with uh, high-profile signings, but none of them have really worked out. Coutinho, Dembélé, Griezmann, those three players are close to 500 million euros and uh, none of the three have actually worked out and... Uh, the fact that uh, Messi decided to leave uh, before the end of this, before the beginning of this season, and then track back and his uh, fight with Messi was only the last uh, episode in which he managed to to frustrate many Barcelona socios. So that's why the reason uh, that's the reason behind the vote of no confidence. Many Barcelona socios, and and we saw that almost twenty some thousand decided to give their signing to to support the vote of no confidence were really not happy with the way uh, Bartomeu had managed the relationship with Messi with Cruyff when he was alive and and the the signing the signings were also a, a, a pretty bad uh, uh, feature from from Bartomeu so no no I think he's he's pretty much demolished his own his own uh, 
legacy. Edwala, just the final word on Real Madrid then in the Champions League. They were very lucky to run away with the points again against Monte Glaba. What's wrong here with Zidane's squad? Yes, they were. Uh, again, uh, very similar to what happened last week. Uh, completely dis- disconnected during the first half. Last week they were trailing 3 0. Uh, this week it was just 1 0, but then conceded again uh, in the in the first 10 minutes of the second half. Um, the team uh, is not only that they look, uh, it's, it's actually a decent team, uh, the starting lineup, but they just can't score. Uh, Benzema has never been a, uh, a, load, a, a consistent scorer and uh, has. If, if Benzema doesn't score, there's no other natural scorer in, in the lineup. So, And this is an issue that started when Cristiano left uh, over two years ago, and it hasn't been solved. And, and this is going to be the case uh, facing any other side, because they still create chances. And, uh, and there's a question of focus, obviously. I mean, you cannot give away 45 minutes of the match every, every match in Europe, because you're just going to be dead sooner rather than later. Eduardo Alvaro is a Spanish football expert and joined us with huge perspective in Spain. Thanks so much for your time on the show. All right, uh, I guess a good time then to have an idea of what's happening in terms of um, live sport at the moment. There's some games to take place shortly. Yeah, we've got Wolverhampton Wanderers up against Crystal Palace. If you're following the English Premier League is match in the Spanish Liga, we've got Eibar up against Cadiz. And there's Shaka 04 drawing goalers right now with Stuttgart. That's the information for you if you're following live football. It's a good time now to get into the Joy Sports BBC two-way series. As always, the BBC's John Bennett was on point. We had a good discussion about all that there is and we look forward to the special games. Enjoy this and there's more to come. Thanks, John, for your time this weekend. It's just about right to begin our discussion this evening for Manchester United. They have really looked good against teams in the Champions League and struggled a bit in the Premier League. What's accounting for this? Hi, George. Yeah, I think Manchester United are perfectly set up for European football because they enjoy soaking up pressure. They enjoy when teams attack them, when teams take the game to them, and they can counter-attack with the... The pace that they have with Marcus Rashford, who was superb, wasn't he, when he came off the bench against RB Leipzig, with Mason Greenwood, what a finish that was. His first ever shot on target in the Champions League and he scores. Anthony Martial, who scored the penalty. And, and also the pace of their attacking midfielders, Donny van der Beek, Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba, and their excellent passing range as well. So they're, they're excellent against teams that take the game to them. When teams sit back, like Crystal Palace, for example... Manchester United find it very difficult to break teams down. So that sets up a fascinating game, doesn't it? On Sunday against Arsenal, Mikel Arteta is different to Pep Guardiola, isn't he? He doesn't mind being negative when he has to be. He's a bit more pragmatic than his former mentor. So what will that mean on Sunday? Will Mikel Arteta get bodies behind the ball? Will he sit back? Will he soak up pressure? Or will he play into Manchester United's hands and take the game to them at Old Trafford? That is going to be fascinating to watch, the tactical battle between Arteta and Solskjaer. John, let's talk about Arsenal right now, because these days there are huge gatherings when the Gunners are in action right here in Ghana. Arsenal's last game against Leicester City sparked the barrage of concerns. Many are worried about the lack of creativity in the team. Two questions then. Will Arsenal miss Ozil greatly? And is Arteta getting the best out of his assembled squad? We have to remember where Mikel Arteta picked up this squad from. They were in disarray under Unai Emery. And he's had fantastic early results, so the expectation has, has risen. I still think they're going to have a good season. Against Leicester, they were slightly unfortunate. You think if that goal is allowed uh, in the first half, it was a very, very questionable offside decision. I didn't think that Granite Jacker was interfering with play, so that goal should have been given. They were 1-0 up against a Leicester team that looked very negative, that had one tactic, which was basically to sit back and attack Arsenal on the break soak up pressure so if Arsenal score the early goal I think they win that game I think it's a completely different story I still believe that Arsenal are going in the right direction under Mikel Arteta and Thomas Partey will bring a new dimension to that team in terms of Mesut Ozil I think that's gone I think he's history 
I don't think that people should believe that having him in the team would make Arsenal better. As I've said before, football has changed now. It's about a team unit working together as one. And I think when you have Mesut Ozil in the team, you have to build your tactics around him. You have to accept that sometimes you're going to have a passenger in the team defensively. And with the way that Mikel Arteta is trying to take Arsenal, I don't think they can afford to have him in the in the first eleven. So, John, this weekend, the headliners between the two we've just spoken about, Arsenal, Manchester United, where will this be won or lost? I think a lot of it will come down to who can take their chances. And we've seen that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang hasn't been in great form so far this season. Alexandra Lacazette was disappointing against Leicester City. So can they step it up against a Manchester United team who look full of confidence? Marcus Rashford will start after being on the bench and scoring a hat-trick against RB Leipzig when he came on as a sub. Anthony Martial got some confidence back with the penalty that Rashford allowed him to take. Really good sportsmanship. I'm fascinated, though, to see what midfield is selected by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Who out of the attacking midfielders will start the game? All three of them can't start the game. So will it be Donny van der Beek to miss out again? Will it be... It won't be Bruno Fernandes to miss out, surely. So will it be Paul Pogba to miss out? And what about up front? Will this be a chance for Edinson Cavani to start? Cavani, down the years, was often linked to Arsenal, so it would be ironic if he scored the winning goal in this Premier League game. So I, I can't wait for this game. It's one of the games that, when you see the fixture list come out, you always look at the certain fixtures, and Arsenal against Manchester United or Manchester United against Arsenal is one of those fixtures. It still has a bit of magic for me, even though it's a long time since the, the big Wenger v Sir Alex era. Lampard's Chelsea have recorded three clean sheets in a row, and... There are many plotters for the new goalkeeper, Edward Mendy. Krasnodar may not have provided the kind of stand defensive test they needed, but from monitoring, how much has Chelsea improved defensively and on the whole? I've been really impressed, George, with Edward Mendy. We, I don't know if you've seen the interviews with him. I'm sure you have, where he's talked about being unemployed a few years ago, nearly dropping out of football. When he's come through something like that and ended up in the Premier League, you can tell what a resilient character he is. He isn't going to let a couple of mistakes affect him if and when they happen. So he's got a lot of confidence. I think the whole of the Chelsea team have taken confidence from him, having someone who looks a lot more solid in goal, a lot more confidence. I think it's been a great start for Edouard Mendy. I was really pleased to see Antonio Rudiger back in the Chelsea team earlier this week in the Champions League. For me, if you'd asked me at the start of the season, I think you did ask me at the start of the season, who's Chelsea's best defender? Antonio Rudiger. So I was delighted to see him back in the team. Thiago Silva after his nightmare debut against West Brom, has been getting better and better. So I think there are really positive signs for Chelsea this weekend. Interesting game for them against Burnley. Should be a, a victory, you'd think, against the Burnley side who are really struggling. Playing some decent stuff. They did OK against Tottenham, but not picking up the points. And that's a real worry for Sean Dyche, who's done a wonderful job at Burnley. But will this be the season where finally the lack of investment in the squad finally that starts to to really cost them um, so yeah big game for, for Chelsea to, to get back to winning ways after two straight draws in the Premier League John it feels as though the wheels are coming off all of a sudden for Everton they've struggled in the last few games is there cause for concern for a team that really looked good at the start of the season I don't think there's a massive cause for concern I think they were overachieving at the start of the season what is going to cost them is when they miss when they miss key players they have a certain number of key players in their team, the likes of Calvert-Lewin, James Rodriguez, Alan, Decore, Michael Keane, I think, is a, is a key player as well. When they're missing, they, due to injury or suspension, for example, Seamus Coleman was out last weekend and they really missed him, didn't they? They had a makeshift right back in the team and it didn't really work out for them. So when they miss one or two or three key players, it's going to cost them more than a Liverpool or a Chelsea because they have a smaller squad or less quality depth in their squad. So I don't think there's a massive cause for concern for Everton. Newcastle very inconsistent their opponents this weekend. They've won two of their first six games. Everton will believe they can go to St James's Park and win that game. I don't think the wheels are coming off but if they were to lose against Newcastle suddenly there would be a few concerns from the Everton fans that it is going back to the old days. So if they can get three points this weekend it would do huge amounts for their confidence. Carlo Ancelotti won't be getting carried away either way. After a big victory or a big defeat, he will be, he's level. He won't be getting, he's never too up, never too down. Carlo Ancelotti will keep this this team with their feet on the ground.
Well, John Liverpool have been hit with more injury woes. No Fabinho, at least for some months, leaves them with pretty limited options at the moment. How devastating is this blow to their title ambitions? And is West Ham visiting next? Yeah, it's worrying for them. I was at Anfield last Saturday for the game against Sheffield United. And I thought Sheffield United were unlucky, actually, not to get anything from the game. There seemed to be openings in the defence, and that was with Fabinho playing. Uh, Sheffield United could have easily been 2-0 up at half-time in that game. As it was, it, it was 1-1 at half-time, and then Liverpool, of course, went on to win 2-1. But there are concerns for Liverpool defensively, even with Virgil van Dijk in the team. Since the restart, and, and certainly since they became champions, they've been one of the worst teams defensively in the English Premier League. So now with John Matip recovering from a leg injury, with Fabinho having this hamstring problem, with Virgil van Dijk out for a long time, Joe Gomez is the only fit defender. I have some concerns about him defensively. And he's going to be partnered probably by one of the youngsters for a game against West Ham, who, which will be difficult because West Ham are in really good form. They're unbeaten in four Premier League games. The bad news for West Ham, Mikel Antonio, injured. He's a huge player for them. It's a bit like when I talked about Everton. West Ham have a very good first eleven, but you go below that and they struggle for quality depth in their squad. So I think Liverpool should win this game, but it's a massive test for them defensively. And David Moyes has to think of a way, without Mikel Antonio, of testing that Liverpool back four. John, let's end with the games to come this weekend aside the Manchester United-Arsenal clash. First, Chelsea's tricky test at Burnley and Spurs up against Brighton. Yeah, you're right to pick out Spurs against Brighton, George, because Jose Mourinho, very critical of his team's performance, quite rightly, against Royal Antwerp on Thursday. We saw the Instagram picture of him on the bus saying that they're back in training 11am. I'm not sure it's very wise for him to be being so public and open on Instagram. It's entertaining for us, but I'm not sure what the players will think of all that, uh, being critical of them. Um, but he gave players a chance, didn't he, against Royal Antwerp, and many of them didn't take their opportunity, including Gareth Bale, who was subbed after 58 minutes. So I really am interested to see what team he selects. I think a lot of players in who are on the, the outskirts of his first eleven really let him down against Royal Antwerp, and maybe they've made a few decisions for him in terms of what team he picks. Brighton, they have flattered to to deceive this season I think Graham Potter is an excellent manager I think he could manage at a high level because of the style he plays, because of the philosophy, but he has to start delivering points for Brighton because at the moment, despite what has been a decent start performance wise they've only picked up 5 points from their first 6 games, they've had tough fixtures this Spurs game is a tough fixture but Brighton need to start delivering points or they will be in a relegation scrap again The BBC's Sean Bennett right there, bringing us the Joy Sports BBC two-way series. And we look forward to a fantastic weekend. Remember, we've got Manchester United versus Arsenal. Live commentary on the Joy Sports Arena. There are better games as well across Europe and Spain, in Italy, in France, in Germany. Here's Joy Sports Moses here. Well, with a wrap. After dropping two points in a 1-1 draw with Verona, Juventus will be looking to return to winning ways when they take on Spezia. The old ladies could see Cristiano Ronaldo return to action after the Portuguese missed their Champions League game with Barcelona. Zlatan Ibrahimovic's inform AC Milan will play away to Udinez hoping to maintain their top sport. Second place Napoli will host third place Sassuolo and Inter Milan will play at home to Parma. Real Madrid returned to La Liga action on Saturday as they faced Huesca at the Santiago Bernabeu. The fixture should offer some respite for Zinedine Zidane's side who have had a roller coaster week, beating Barcelona 3-1 in El Clasico before scoring two late goals to draw 2-2 with Borussia Mönchengladbach in the Champions League on Tuesday. Barcelona will be looking to build on their impressive win over Juventus in the Champions League when they travel to Alaves. Barca are desperate for another win, sitting 12 in La Liga with just two victories from their first five games. They have lost their last two league games and are in danger of losing three in a row for the first time since April 2016 under Luis Enrique. Elsewhere, Atletico Madrid will play away to Osasuna. Athletic Club will face Sevilla and Valencia host Hetafe. Borussia Mönchengladbach host league leaders RB Leipzig in what agreeably looks the fixture of the round in this weekend's Bundesliga action. 
A win could take Lash back into the top four, depending on results elsewhere. With Leipzig knowing a win will keep them top of the pile as they look to hold off title rivals Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. Bayern, meanwhile, will play away to FC Cologne, with third from bottom facing second in the table after five matches. And Armenia Bayfield entertained Borussia Dortmund with the host looking to avoid a fourth successive defeat. Paris and Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Emma will be looking to cement their position atop the league R rankings when the champions travel to Nantes for Saturday's top flight encounter. While the visitors are in the midst of an unrelenting fixture schedule, Nantes have had two weeks off since their last match owing to the postponement of last week's proposed meeting with Lens. And Manchester United and Arsenal used to be title rivals, but both are languishing in the bottom half of the Premier League heading into their latest Old Trafford showdown. United have lost two of their first five games, while Arsenal have lost half of their six matches. So both will be determined to use this game to start climbing the table. Sure, sports balls is here. Well, that's about it for our show this evening. Remember that in two hours, we've got for you on the Joy News channel, the Ghana Premier League Primer, Hearts of Oak Edition. Tomorrow, between 7 